Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning and welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are so glad that you have joined us today. And our entire concept is that women are healthiest when they consider all aspects of themselves. So we're talking about things like what do you dream about? Sing away. What do you tuck away for tomorrow? And mostly we take advantage of if you don't do something today, when are you going to do it? So we're helping people to be their best and possible healthy self, helping you to thrive. And we have a wonderful guest today. And our topic is going to be talking about change, which is always something one talks about at the beginning of a year. And we will revisit this throughout the year because change can be challenging, especially for women. And our guest today is the amazing Lisa Kamen, an internationally recognized filmmaker, author, positive psychology host, a TEDx speaker, and a radio host who specializes in the fields of authentic happiness, sustainable well-being. And we are so very glad to have her with us today. Lisa, welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me and happy, happy new year. Happy New Year to you as well. I, I think that a new year always brings with it a lot of, hmm, this year I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. Not necessarily resolutions. I, I don't know that I've, I have really not made those. I make goals and um, I think that's a little bit different. But I do think that New Year's give us an opportunity to clear the slate and set aside some new things that we aim to do. And I think for women, that can be kind of difficult. I I want to bring up the topics of your books first, because I think that they lay the groundwork for what we'll talk about today. And the two that really, you know, touch me are, are we happy yet? And God happiness now? Because (laughs) I think women have a very hard time being authentic. And do you think it's harder for women to be authentic when they're young? Or is it more clear after 40 when you've maybe grown into who you are, what you prioritize, what you think is important? That is a great question. And there's actually some research that supports that we become happier as we age, although one might think it would be the other way around, for several reasons. And the first being that as we age, we do become more comfortable in our own skin. We care mm-hmm. less about what others think of us. There's less social comparison, less sense of keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. So I think that the research is compelling that um, time is in our favor for our H factor, our happiness factor. H factor. I like that very much. And I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think by the time you've hit 40, life has dealt you a few bumps and I'll go as far to say as there are even sinkholes in that road of life and it's how you view them that ends up changing your perspective but let's face it sometimes we don't view them in a way that is positive and I know that you're an expert in all of this can you explain to our listeners a little bit about how 
when you do hit bumps in life, how are the various ways that people look at them? And then how do they manage them? And each person is different. So this is a very broad-based question. But I, I think people always think that their reaction perhaps is lacking or I should do this or I should do that. I think women have that I should phrase in their heads a lot more often than men. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I believe. Uh, I think that men and women, you know, should on themselves a lot. You know, I think okay. that, that I think that there, there's probably equality in that. But <clears throat> excuse me, I think you make up a very you make a very good point in how we relate to issues. And we can embrace adversities, you know, several ways. Um, the most obvious way is victim consciousness. You know, why is this stuff happening to me? Poor me, pity me. Um, that that that's one strategy that um, many people do embrace. It's a it's a very typical one. The other, which is a more interesting and inquisitive way of approaching adversity, is asking the question, "What can I learn from this situation?" This is not fun. It, it it sucks, you know, be really honest. I'd say, you know, go for the fine wine. I think that's really important to really be able to vent your, your discontent with what's happening, but then approach it with a little bit more of a friendly perspective. What can I learn from this situation? What is this teaching me about myself? Because most importantly about change is it doesn't usually happen at a garden party. Boy, is that a truth. And and I think that one of the things that stops people from growing and learning, because sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And I, I think that what I have noticed, um, both in myself and with other women, is that they don't want to stop and take a look inside. They want to stay busy. They want to move on. That was a blip. Never mind. Put it behind me. But the way you learn often is when you take the time to be still, take a look back and kind of ruthlessly take a look at what did I learn? What would I do differently? How hard is that? I think it's very hard mm -hmm. on the one hand. But on the other hand, I think that we do do this a lot. We do take ruthless looks and jabs at ourselves. What could I have done differently and mm -hmm. sort of ruminate? And I think that that can be toxic. I would say the opposite. You recognize what happened. OK, this wasn't fun. I learned A, B, C, D and E about myself. Mm -hmm. I um, am going to learn. I'm going to commit to be OK with what happened, even though I might not have liked it. Mm -hmm. And then choose to move on in constructive ways, which include the the traumatic growth, that's post-traumatic right. growth, PTG, right. that comes mm -hmm. out of the traumas and adversities that happen to us. And then move on in a constructive way. And how how can I help others who have uh, who will come after me who are going through hard times? I think part of how we heal is what we're able to give back in very, you know, tiny, kind ways. I love that. And and I often call it the wounded healers, because I, I feel like when you have gone through something difficult, you'd really rather someone who came behind you not go through it with quite the the rawness, perhaps, that you did. And I do agree with you that ruminating can be toxic. We all fall into that occasionally. But I do think that age brings with it some clarity 
of being able to take a look and and feel as though, okay, you know, that's the second time I did that lesson learned and and to move on or you know, something other, that was really a blip. In the scheme of things, this is not going to bother me three weeks from now. And I'm I'm really believing that we go through phases in our lives where we're hard on ourselves. I think women tend to be very difficult on themselves. But as you get older, it is seeming to me that women are more open to talking about yes, I learned that lesson this way and and this happened and here's how I dealt with it. And I think that's the beauty of women talking to women because I think we can sometimes relate and be kind. Now that isn't always the case, but it certainly is nice when it is. Do you think that that is happening more or less with the current cyber um, focus? Well, I think that the sisterhood, you know, the okay. tribe of women supporting mm-hmm. one another is 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 hugely important. Mm-hmm. And this is something in general that con- the connected world has helped us make easier and also challenged us to um, make it real and authentic. Because mm-hmm. we can believe that we have, you know, hundreds of friends on Facebook and Twitter followers and this whole cyber family that is out there. But at the end of the day, when the rubber hits the road, there are very few uh, people in this world who will stand by us. And those are usually not those virtual friends. That's very true. And and I think that, I don't want to segue too far off our topic, but I think the cyber world has created a very arm's length view. And I think in many ways, it can separate us as opposed to connect us. It can do both. I, I thoroughly agree with that. But if you're only posting the happy things in life, you're often, what did somebody say to me once? Um, You look like you're having a great time. And I said, oh, but you have no idea what happened 10 minutes before that picture was taken. And they were very surprised because, of course, you don't post usually your less pretty moments on Facebook or for the world to see. And, And I think that's an interesting uh, dynamic because if you only see the positive parts, where are the real parts? I, I, I agree. And what we're really talking about is truth, authenticity, um, intimacy. And we don't normally put that out there in the world because our belief is that everybody is perhaps having a better life or a better time than we are. But you said something, Linda, a few minutes back that I just wanted mm-hmm. to go back to, and that was Please. about um, the rumination and about how we how we bounce back from the hard knocks of life. Mm-hmm. And here's another perspective. This is pulling the lens back. You know, that the micro perspective is, you know, what we can learn from what has gone on around us. Maybe the macro perspective is, and this is what I use in my life. I say, okay. look, I'm in the ripe, juicy middle of my life and I am closer to the exit door than I am to the entrance. And how do I want to spend my time? Love it. Love it. I, and that's what I meant earlier about... When we reach 40 plus, I think you do realize that life is precious. You you look at what are your priorities in life. Is it the relationships? Is it the stuff? And I think it makes a difference. It does. And for me, it's the connection, you know? Mm-hmm. How can I create meaning today, regardless of what happened yesterday, or without worry? And here is the challenge, without worry for what might or could happen tomorrow. I love that. I love that we're coming up on a short break. And after our break, I'd like to continue. 
on this line because I think it's fascinating for women. I, I do think that we are um, clearer as we get older, as we have learned more in life, as life has touched us more. And I think that's very, very important to know that we are often grateful for the things and experiences we have gone through because it makes us more authentic women. You are listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are helping women thrive, and we will be right back after these very short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's words you never heard. Believe it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night. Or snoring. It's words you never heard. I'm Carol Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Lisa Kamen about change and women and how we embrace change or how we don't embrace change. Lisa, I'd love to talk about the fact that there are definitely times when you live and learn and we become older and have gone through more experiences, perhaps we have a greater clarity of how we're going to address this next bump in the road. But let's talk about the times where we were knocked on our butts and we just couldn't we were stuck. We couldn't get out. And and tell us what you see when you talk to other women. And and let's talk real about this because I don't think we always come out all right, unicorns and rainbows and let's make everything happy. Um, I, know I have it. I, I know that I had to learn that. And and I think that's a good thing to learn, but I think it's a good thing to address the fact that 
some of our listeners may be in a sinkhole right now. And, and what are some of the things that you've experienced and helped others with? Well, I think it's important to recognize that when bad things happen, that we really need to pause, give ourselves a moment and honor what has happened. You know, call it the fine wine with a W-H-I-N-E, call it a little bit of a pity party, call it a, right. a, 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 a you know, a, a, a stew, whatever it is um, that has happened, it's important to recognize that the bad thing has happened and really let yourself sort of wait in it and say, all right, this, this, this sucks. This is terrible. It feels uncomfortable. Maybe even do the why me, but if the goal, and I would hope that most of the listeners goal would be to have a life that is filled with contentment and joy and meaning. If the goal is to move through what has happened, it's important then to become properly supported, to take really good care of oneself. And this goes back just to basic self-care 101. Am I, mm-hmm. am I sleeping well? Am I eating properly? Am I getting enough exercise and even sunshine? Because sunshine, mm-hmm. sunshine gives you the benefits of vitamin C, vitamin D, B vitamins that can help with mood uh, management. Mm-hmm. So these are very simple interventions that people can, can check in with when they're going through hardship. And most oftentimes we um, ixnay <laughs> the <laughs> self-care, you know, that's, that's where we can save a few minutes and it's really the opposite. So that's one very, very simple intervention. The other, the other thing that I like to, to share with people is when depression is present, um, and, a, and a very wise therapist said this to me decades ago, and he said to me, depression is rage turned inward. Mm-hmm. So if, we're feeling depressed, it might be helpful to look at what we're really upset about, you know, what really is going on and have we been able to express the, the anger, the emotion, sadness, grief, um, remorse over what has happened. And that may require seeing a therapist, seeing a, a, a counselor, a coach, a, 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 a religious uh, figure, or even just a good girlfriend who's mm-hmm. willing to listen and listen wholeheartedly and fully because the act of listening is part of the medicine. I can relate to all of that. And I, I had also heard the rage turned inward. And I think I would say that it is hard for women who are often juggling children, career, um, all sorts of things, all sorts of roles to, to actually do the self-care that you're talking about to take the time to think about what has happened. And some days it may seem easier just to climb back in bed. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow, but today go with the clouds. And I think the proper support that you talked about is, is interesting because I know that in my own life, when I finally became angry at the situation, I thought, yes, I have moved through a phase because this is a healthier response to what happened. And it's very difficult to get from one to the next. Agree? I do agree. And I I think it's important to also hit the pause button for a second and uh, shine some light on something that you just said. And that is um, the the, the positive uses of anger. Mm -hmm. Because when anger is channeled well, 
that's where it can act as a catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you recognize bad things have happened. You move through the pity, the why me, then maybe there's um, a little bit of, of anger. You know, you get pissed off. And I I think we can say that on this show. And then what you do with that pissed offness is um, where, where the juice is. Because I know that the, in my life, and certainly you and I have a similar um, story, although mm-hmm. the circumstances are different, of going through a huge life challenge, which happened mm-hmm. to me during the recession and divorce and mental illness with my ex-husband, and really a loss of a significant life, lifestyle, and actual means, you know, mm-hmm. money and property. Life had to be rebuilt. And in using the anger constructively, I know that you and I both have been able to rebuild our lives in a more joyful, authentic, um, and powerful way. That's very true. And I think coming back to our change is challenging thing. No one changes simply because they wake up one morning and gosh, <laughs> today change, is change day. Change day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is change day. That that usually doesn't happen. I mean, that's what John Maxwell will call it living because unless you really do take intentional steps things aren't going to change it's not a magical thing that if the cloud like waves today it'll be changed so adversity actually can be a blessing in terms of shifting you from part of your life that you've accepted but not truly lived does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I did um, a TEDx talk many years ago called The Mysteries of Fear. And it, okay. and the talk was given when I was really in the thick of going through this huge transformation um, mm-hmm. that became my life. And um, I talked about why fear is a, it can be used as a positive catalyst. And this is going back to the anger. You know, when we are fearful of not being able to make ends meet financially, when we are uh, fearful of the unknown, perhaps um, in my case, I had gone through a divorce and there was the fear of, oh, will I ever meet anybody? Will I ever, you know, have companionship again? So there's a lot of irrational fear that goes on. And then there's the, the then there's the real fear. Like, am I going to be able to put a roof over my head and, and put food on the table for my kids? That's real world fear. Mm-hmm. And it's real. I mean, it's these are real. not things you were imagining or things that you were catastrophizing. These were real. They are real. But when we look at catastrophe in, in, in levels, you know, putting a roof over your head and food on the table for the family is, you know, probably up there with, it is a basic need and, and, and we will be very fearful, but we can also become paralyzed by the fear, you know, the deer in headlights, which many women experience when they go through adversity, perhaps they were not the primary breadwinner in the family and that person is no longer providing and they've got to go out and make their way in the world. And there's Mm -hmm. panic. I mean, that's very, very real. And how do you, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's very, very true. I'm sorry to burst in on you. That was rude of me. I do know from a a wonderful mentor I once had, she talked about energy outlay and said, you know, you, you really need to take a look, take a step back when things happen to you and analyze the energy that you're about to outlay. How important is this issue? Is this a lump in your throat, a lump in your oatmeal or a lump in your breast? Yeah. And and I, I found that always stuck with me probably because I'm very, very visual. So if it was an oatmeal lump, eh, I could live with that. If it was one in my 
to consider it. Lump in my breast? No, that need to be, needed to be dealt with immediately. And I thought it was a very interesting way. It has stuck with me forever. And I've used it for many people that I work, both you and I work with um, veterans and their families. And I, I think that it has proven to be a very good use of a visual to describe something that anyone can understand. Yes. And, you know, the other um, sort of ironic one is, is it a first world problem or a third world problem? Mm. You know, third world problems are are problems of survival and basic needs. First world problems are the, you know, the lump in your throat and the lump in the oatmeal and the person who cut you off in traffic. (laughs) The road rage. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how we use our energy and and how it makes us behave. And that makes a big difference in in terms of how we receive help and how we take a look at what comes next. So as we're taking a look and analyzing, uh, all right, this this is the one in the middle. What do you suggest for those who are just beginning to make changes? So they, they've gone through something. They have taken a look at it with, with some clear eyes and they're going to start making the changes. What are some good first changes to make? I think one of the most important things is to recognize who your company is. People that we love, people, our friends, the people in our circle, we're all doing a dance together, right? There, there's a certain role that each member takes in maintaining the homeostasis of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we are embarking on transformation, the people around us may be upset and not be able even to articulate why um, that change is occurring. So they may not agree with some of these changes that we are making. They may stay mired in blame and anger for you. In other words, if some something has happened that has uh, been the result of what somebody has done, let's say a spouse, they may be stuck in the loop of always putting that person down. So it's important to recognize, and I know we need to go to a break very soon, that when we want to make change, we need to surround ourselves with people who can support the change. That's the long answer to (laughs) to your short question. No, no, that wasn't a long answer at all. And I, I think we can talk about that more because I think sometimes people would rather stay safe with the devil they know, um, with the time that they have. I, I also have seen instances where people are truly addicted to the drama. Yeah. This is what they know. And, you know, the, the shows keep coming and they're long running Broadway shows and they have lots of drama and ups and downs and volatility. But that's a very difficult way to live long term. And if you want to get off the bus, I'd, I'd love in our next segment if we could talk about how if you find yourself stuck in um, the same place, you're addicted to the drama, but maybe you don't call it that. Maybe you just say, well, this is what life is. I think there are ways that we can ask ourselves some questions that let us know Hmm. Am I stuck? Do I need to be stuck? And and where can I go from here? So I'd love it if we could go to break and then come back shortly thereafter and discuss this more. We're listening to Lisa Kamen and you're on Wise Health for Women Radio. We'll be right back.
We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle crangled and jitterty jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're talking with Lisa Kamen about change and life and Right before the break, we were talking about those who may be stuck, feeling safer, staying where they are. Perhaps it's age, perhaps it's health, perhaps it's situational. Um, How would I do this on my own or, or what would the changes bring that I could manage or not manage? And Lisa, can you help us with some of the things or questions you might ask yourself about is it time to change this? If I continue to do the same things I've always done and get the same reactions, then I'm going to stay in the same place. Are there some things that you uh, have people ask themselves to see if they want to get off this, this bus that is really going to a place you don't want to be? Well, I think we need to look at the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. You know, the definition, you know, as I know it, or I've come to learn it, you know, is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. So the, the, the first step to change is doing, you know, one tiny little thing differently. And these don't have to be big interventions. You know, we don't change our lives dramatically in a minute. We change it incrementally um, by a process where we can test new things hopefully get a positive result that the change um, is a good thing. And then we take another baby step, you know, in the direction there where we want to go. So there's, there's a proof positive that needs to occur. And that can't happen if we, if we do everything at once. So I, I, I like to approach change and transformation a little bit like a scientist or an adventurer in that you've got to test 
verify and repeat and practice often. Oh, I like that. I like that very much. I, I'm afraid I use rinse and repeat, but <laughs> I like yours better. Well, the test, you know, the test is, is the good thing because when we're in testing mode, we're in curiosity mode. And when we're in curiosity mode, we're bypassing fear. That's an excellent way to put it. Don't you think sometimes people feel as though, well, if I can control this or I can control that, I'll be fine. In fact, I'm guessing that that's part of what you were saying in you are we're happy yet because there are a lot of people who go through life saying, well, if I can just get him or her to stop doing this and I can change this in me, then then I'll be okay and I, I, I can live with this situation. But that often doesn't work that way. Ah, so good point. Are we happy yet? Eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. Um, a new revised edition of the book is coming out on March 20th, which happens good to, to know. be the UN's International Day of Happiness. And in the book, I do talk about con control issues. And my suggestion to people is to control the one thing in the world that we have control over, which is ourselves. Now, you might laugh. Um, this, this is a <laughs> No, <challenge>. I get it. <laughs> you know, we cannot control the weather. We cannot control our spouses, our ex-spouses. And, you know, the, the sort of big clue I like to tell people is we can't even control our kids. We can control them Amen a little bit that. when they're younger, but right. you know, at a certain point, um, the, they are shot from uh, our our uh, our bows, and right. and they're in their own world, and as they should be. But the one thing that we can continually control is ourselves. We can control our thoughts. We can control our actions, and to a certain extent, with practice, we can begin to control our feelings. Feelings will overtake us when we don't have self mastery. And that's so very true. And I know that um, things that helped for me were being able to write things down. Um, I don't want to call it a diary, but more or less a journal of thoughts, actions taken, what worked, what didn't work, because I'm very visual. So if I can take a look and I see that there's a happy face on this page, um, but a, a flat line on this one, that really helped me. I, I think learning to um, look inside, to control ourselves, and then make the small changes is important. Oftentimes, do you feel, and I've known people who have done this, who decide that I am going to lose 80 pounds in the next two months. I'm going to be happy and meet the man of my dreams. They try for these goals that are going to probably not occur because they're so radical. and the small steps that are incremental changes that can be built upon are often overlooked as being too minute. That's not big enough. That's not important enough. Why would I bother with that time? But I personally, I don't know if you have as well, have found that it was the small changes that I could sustain that actually helped me take the next steps and led to a feeling of accomplishment. Yes, I, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, I work most days, I, I, I tell people I work in the dark side. You know, I work in addiction recovery, trauma recovery, life crisis. I work in areas where people are really, really suffering. And I always tease them. I say, look, you know how to lose weight. You know how to stop uh, being addicted to drugs. Every person possesses the intellect to know how 
to stop. Mm-hmm. And yet they can't. You know, there's there's an impulsivity and compulsiveness that comes with addictive behaviors as well as being addicted to substances. So we get addicted or wedded to our misery or wedded to the station that we are in because it somehow, you know, serves an emotional cycle that we've been in for years. So I agree with you that these tiny little steps, and that goes back to the proof positive. You know, you, you, you nudge forward a few inches, you have a good result, you're feeling good about what has happened, and therefore you have the interest and energy to try it again or try something else. And, and it is really important. Only you can make those changes. I see so many people, young and old, saying, well, you know, I, they can do this. You know, it's your job to change. I'm fine um, in relationships. And that's, that's very hard to deal with because you really can only change yourself. And I've watched women who finally realize that they can't control the world, that they're not in charge, and they make the small changes to themselves. And lo and behold, if things don't get brighter and the light comes in and fills the spaces that were once empty and confident, those are positive things. And that in itself is self-care. Yes. And, and, I, and I'd love to, you know, share uh, a, another offering of an intervention that might be very, very helpful. In addition Please. to the self-care, you know, good sleep, good exercise, good nutrition, um, bringing some pleasure into your daily life, even if it's five minutes of, of pleasure. I also suggest that people find mentors, you know, particularly if the family dynamic doesn't support the change, that they find men or women who emulate or who are models of where they would like to be. Mm-hmm. And then spend time with that person. That can't be understated. Because I think that going back to what you said earlier about look who you're surrounding yourself with. If you go on the premise that you know a little bit of the people around you rubs off on you. You are very much affected by the five people closest to you. And yes. so if you are with those that drag you down or someone, you know, you have a conversation and they leave you and you go, Ugh, I feel worse when they came in. You know, why am I being asked to glom, take all their, their darkness and, and help? Um, that's not truly a help to you. And so in some ways you cannot escape some toxic or pre-toxic people, but you could put them at arm's length. And that's difficult for women to set those boundaries. Well, there there are a couple of things. First of all, emotions are definitely contagious. So Mm -hmm. if we are surrounded with positive emotion, we will more likely be infected by positivity. Mm -hmm. If we are surrounded by negative emotions, we will be infected by the negative. At, at, At the same time, we also can inoculate ourselves mm-hmm. from the negativity. And we inoculate ourselves through, through the self-care, through the practices that you know, nurture, our, nurture us, mind, body, emotion, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another element where people might um, you know, gain some benefit. I am a big believer in spiritual practice. I am not a mm-hmm. Bible thumper, but I tell people that it's really important that you find some way of connecting to the world in a space that is greater than yourself. I agree with you. And, and so does the Wall Street Journal. 
they just two days ago, three days ago, published an article on awe, A-W-E. Yes. With you know, uh, looking at an ocean wave hitting on the beach or uh, a sunrise that takes your breath away, looking at something that's bigger than yourself, whether it's nature or a spiritual practice or a religious practice, you're right. It gives a lot of um, enormity. And while it makes you feel like a smaller part of the universe, you're part of that universe. And it's a very special feeling. I, I agree with you. And I think that that is a very important part. Those who I have worked with in the uh, veteran community are served when they have something bigger than no matter what it is, as long as they find nurture, nature, and joy in it. And, and that makes a big difference. You know, I agree. And let's talk a second about um, the military community. One of the interesting sure. things with servicemen and women is when they are um, in the military, they have a sense of purpose. It is a yes. mission-driven career. When they come home, and especially if they've been in theater and they've seen battle and they have post-traumatic stress, which, by the way, is a very normal response to abnormal right. amounts of stress. Absolutely. So um, there's the absence of the mission upon return. And when you help somebody regain the mission, you know, a- a.k.a. a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. miraculous things happen. That's so true. And that sense of purpose... When nothing else helps, I have often found that having a service animal helps. You have something to take care of. Um, these are things that, that people don't even think of, which are also part of the self-nurture thing that we were talking about. Having something else to focus on, um, making a change in your life. And, and you're right, that sense of purpose is important to all of us, not just those in the military. When you get up in the morning, having somewhere to go, something to to do, and often when you help others, it really helps you internally, which is an amazing give back cycle that's very positive. We're going to go on a short break, and I would love to talk about some of the self-care portions that so many of us ignore or do sporadically, because I think that's very important. And, and knowing a couple of tips that you suggest, I'm sure will be extremely helpful. And we will take a look at how we can be open to these changes. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We're talking with Lisa Kamen, and we will continue our discussion after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Dinner is typically the largest meal of the day, and Harvard Medical School recommends to take that opportunity to make sure you meet your daily quota of five servings of fruit and vegetables. Roasting vegetables is not only easy, it's also a delicious way to serve them. You can roast any vegetable from zucchini, peppers, eggplant, mushrooms, onions, to carrots, cauliflower, and broccoli. To roast them, Cut the vegetables up and place on a cookie sheet lined with foil. Drizzle a little olive oil over them and sprinkle with pepper. 
Cook them at 375 degrees for 25 minutes. Savor roasted vegetables as a side dish or toss them in a salad or pasta. When you pile on the produce for dinner, there is less room for unhealthy food. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Wise Health Women Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Lisa Kamen. You know, Lisa, on the break, we were talking about the fact that uh, women often have a phase in life when the children go off to school or a big career change comes or, or whatever it is, and there's an empty nest for whatever reason. And that feels like the, the midlife crisis. You know, now who do I take care of? There's a void. And who do I nurture now? This is often a crisis time for women. Oh, yeah. You know, and plus you have a, a, a you have hormones raging at that time as many of us are slipping into perimenopause uh-huh. and menopause. So you've got the the real world thing going on. The kids have have flown the coop. The, the nest is now empty. Mom's hormones are readjusting. There may be a reacquaintance period with um, our spouses that are going on because so much of life prior to was focused on the kids. So there's a sense that many feel like they're out of business, right? Talk about right. a career change. <laughs> and it you want it to happen on one hand because this is what you've raised them to go do. So that feels positive. But it's it's hard to acknowledge that there is now a loss. Where where are those dirty sneakers thrown in the front foyer? Um it, it's just a very big change from cooking to cleaning to um, communication to, to sitting down at a dinner table. I mean, it's a big change, as you mentioned. It is. And and one of the things that I like to encourage women to do, and, and men, because men experience this as well, but we're, we're focusing on women today, is that um, connection, you know, leaning yes. in leaning into others, leaning in for support rather than pulling away, trying to handle it all on our own. We are hardwired for connection. And Brene mm-hmm. Brown, who is a, an amazing, amazing yes. um, social worker, PhD. She's written several books. She has a TED Talk on shame and on vulnerability mm-hmm. that have each reached, you know, uh, probably tens of millions uh, of views talking right. about the importance of, you know, letting our guard down and letting people in and speaking our truths. 
And I think when you're younger, society, uh, especially if you're in a profession, tells you, don't let your guard down. That will look weak. Um, put your mask on when necessary. And we, we learn to build up this armor, if you will. It may not always be the toughest armor because arrows can still get through sometimes. But when we, send, when we don't allow the openness... We aren't living as fully. I, I know my daughter once said to me, you know, I, I, just, I just don't want to take the chance again. And I said, but if you don't, you won't be living life to the fullest. Life comes with good and bad, and both of them teach you something. So that vulnerability is hard for the younger generations. And often as we get into our 40s and above, I think we learn that, being vulnerable doesn't really hurt that much. You already know what life can throw at you. And so being vulnerable is is a gift in many ways. It teaches you so much about yourself. Yes. And for some people, the thought of being vulnerable, the thought of allowing what's truly going on to be expressed at the surface is terrifying. So again, it has to be explored from um, the beginner's mind or with the beginner's mind and a little bit of the adventurer's spirit and, you know, to test, to trust, to verify and repeat, because Mm -hmm. we can't just say, okay, today I'm going to be vulnerable for the rest of my life and spill (laughs) our guts out everywhere because sometimes it's not appropriate. It's also messy. Yeah, it's messy and, and, and you know, there has to be some, some measured approach to it. But here's the thing about vulnerability that is so valuable and precious is that, you know, when we are vulnerable, we are being very, very authentic. We're being very true. We're allowing emotions that are present to be expressed, to come to the surface. And the, the myth is that if we don't share our vulnerability that we can maintain our strength. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is because emotions, positive and negative, come from the same part of the brain, if we don't fully express maybe the dark side or the troubling side or the complicated parts of our nature, Mm -hmm. we can't actually access and fully express the positive either. Well, it's true. If you don't experience darkness, you won't recognize light. And if you don't share the vulnerability, you won't know what the reaction will be. I I think that many women find, though, that it's a freedom to be able to be their authentic selves. And once you do share it and realize that um, all the arrows in the world aren't coming at you and that I think sometimes it opens the doors to people who thought you were bulletproof. You don't need anybody um, because that's what you were giving off a, a personal vibe. When the reality is that we all need other people, the connection, the engagement with others. As you said, we're hardwired for connection. So does sharing that vulnerability often offer the other person the ability to help well, I, I don't know that it offers the, them the ability to help, but it offers them the opportunity to be present with us. There and when go. we right. do that, that presence is oftentimes all that is required. There's no fixing required. Mm-hmm. You know, when we share in this way, from the, it's really from a positive heart space, mm-hmm. we're not really expecting the other person to be our cleanup squad. Right. You know, we just want them to listen and be with us. 
I, I, I knew a man once who, who had this wonderful gift of listening to his wife. And before um, any discussion of any import took place, he'd say, do you want me to listen or do you want me to fix it? And I loved that because he was very aware that women have a need to sometimes just get it out. Uh, men usually communicate to get things done. But often when we allow our feelings out, the world doesn't end. It, it, it really just goes off as vapor many times. And what we thought was so important is often less important than we had anticipated it would be. So that opportunity to support is important. You, you had mentioned a statement that I love, which is vulnerability is the new black, a fashion statement. Can you explain yeah, I, I think that in the past we were taught to sort of buck up and keep it to ourselves and put on a good uh, a good show face. Mm-hmm. And now with and here is where I think the the internet and connectivity does play into it. That um, because it's a free for all out there in cyberspace, mm-hmm. I think there is an invitation, you know, for us to sort of, you know, stand up and, and, and be heard. And I can't tell you the amount of rants that I uh, read on the internet that are not necessarily negative. I might not like it, but I'm like, huh, that person's just gassing off and that's okay. You know, so I think that there is something very fashionable about being forthright, about letting people see who we are Uh and, um, knowing that we can be okay revealing those parts of ourselves that we don't we're not really relate relying on the validation of others to make us okay i think that's an important fact i i think oftentimes we become as you mentioned at the very beginning of the show more comfortable in our own skin more affirmed in our beliefs at this point and the the, the rants on the on facebook page etc some people do that others do not um, it, our outlets become broader because of this. And it, it's very interesting to watch how everyone comes about. We have just a little bit of time left, but I don't want to miss it entirely. You were talking about the importance of self-care, and we know that most often that requires rolling up. And, okay, really, I know what I'm supposed to do. But can you talk about how the practices of certain hobbies um, – things, practices that give you pleasure or calmness or stillness can really add to your happiness. Yes. And these are very simple ones. And um, these are not rocket science, you know, getting out and walking for a few minutes every day. So you're getting to be with nature. You're getting the benefit of the sunshine. And maybe you live in a part of the country or the world where it's not sunny right now. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. snowing. Well, Mm -hmm. put on your snow gear and go out and, and be in nature, you know, just for a few minutes. So that's a very, very simple intervention that anybody can do, even if they're not in the best of, of, of physical health. And, and if you need um, somebody to go, come out with you, to walk with you, to help you keep stable, that's great. You can engage in conversation because that's another very simple intervention. Um, we also talk about um, yoga, stretching, meditation. You mm-hmm. can get so much free content on the internet just going into YouTube. So even if you're, one is homebound, they mm-hmm. can still access 
these kinds of um, offerings from people who have, have made incredible programs. The other is we talked about the spiritual practice, you know, operating right. from a place of gratitude, meditation, prayer, contemplation, being of service to others, embracing a sense of spirituality that works for the individual, um, perhaps even writing down statements that you find are uplifting and putting them on your refrigerator or mm -hmm. posting them near your computer. That's another way to validate that sort of spiritual life. And then, you know, rebuilding or building self-esteem by acknowledging how these tiny little actions are working for you. I love them all because I think, again, uh, self-esteem is something that waxes and wanes throughout our life. And I, I think it is it's important to know how to nurture yourself. And, and oftentimes that just takes time and introspection of, all right, what has worked for me in the past? Um, what no longer works? What new practice can I take up that makes me feel a sense of well-being? Because when we're well inside emotionally, it often helps our physical health. Indeed. And also, we can you can tune into Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio there on the same go. network. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell them when that they can find that show. New episodes are broadcast every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. And so noon Eastern Time. Okay. Noon Eastern Time. And we have a library of more than 500 episodes available on iTunes, on toginet.com and at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com. I'm so grateful you mentioned that because honestly, this is part of my self-care is I keep podcasts and photographs and glad song lists uh, all on my smartphone, which is really a contentment tool for me. It's a, it's a helpful center. And I, I think that these are things that really, really help. Lisa, thank you for sharing your expertise and your methods of, of making life brighter and lighter. And I'm so grateful time with us and our audience this morning. This is Wise Health Radio for Women. We are looking to help you be the best version of you. So if not today, then when? We have the pleasure of our guest today. We are so glad to have you here. What is holding you back and why? Come back and listen to us next week at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. It's time for CEO Spotlight Radio with your host, Howard Fox. CEO Spotlight.